0: We're well, hello everybody. What's happening? I'm gonna film Junkie Live on your hump day. Let's get the humping, huh? Eh? Ah how's everybody doing, huh? Eh? Doing pretty good, huh? Eh? Yeah, everybody are so you having a good day you know what I'm, I'm having one of those where guess what i'm having some wednesday night wine because i was like you know what i just i was under the wire there for a minute things weren't working correctly and whatnot so uh but i got it i got it in there got the got the uh the news broadcast from the MFN guys all in there and everything thank you guys for clicking in of course make sure you smash that like thumbs up Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you want to join, become a member. Hit the join button if you want to join the Patreon. We'll do the Patreon too. Help out the channel if you want to do that. And then, of course, the Film Junkie Closet down below. All right. Who's out there, huh? Who do we got? Who do we got? Let's see. We got Mr. Fear Jason here. Yes. Uh, Mr. MPO knows uh, knows which article we're looking at here. What's going on, Dane? Yep. Uh, yeah, everybody, uh, some people wished David Ayer a happy birthday yesterday. What's going on, Niner fan? I'll be rooting for you this weekend, but man, I tell you, it's going to be a hard one. Tyler, good to see you. got Eric here. we got Resident Justice. Yes, it's Wednesday. It is Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. What's going on, Mr. Jose? Let's get the hump in. That's right. Looking forward to it. Possibly, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. we got Jesse. Good to see you. we got Mr. Uh, we Are Venom right here. Aquaman 2 and I, yeah, I now, who wins? Well, I mean, that's a difficult one, you know? That's, that's that's a hard one to determine, to be honest. Because I think a lot of people are kind of anticipating Avatar, but at the same time, it's like Aquaman, billion-dollar movie. I don't know. That's, that's going to be difficult. One of them is going to move. There's no way that they stay. Yeah, I can't imagine it, that's for sure. But there are people that, there's not people like, uh, there's certain people that aren't defending it. They're just not talking about it. Yeah, they're just not even talking about it. That's what's so strange about this whole thing. Hello, darling. I like that hashtag right there. And we got Mark right here. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see ya. Yes, right. Ah, so you guys like the uh, the opening. Yeah, you know, it's been a while since the MFN guys gave us a breaking news report. I, 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 for a while, yeah, it's probably actually when I looked at it, it was like back in April of last year. I haven't done an MFN. Uh, MF, I'm gonna to try to do more of those too because I always enjoy doing uh, the, you know, the Bill Richmond and the Tom Monahan. Yeah, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Ah, what's going on? Shadow Ghost. Ooh, let's see. It jumped right here. Ah, uh, where are we at right here? Sorry. Sometimes this thing just like yeah. We got Rosemary. Always good to see you. Yes. Got the wine. Got the wine going on, Captain Gator Girl and all the sexy friends out there? Salud, salud, Amparo. Yes, that's right. Cool, cool, cool. We got Selena Kyle here. Yeah, it's going to be a rough one, but you never know what could happen. You never know. I'm, I'm looking for an upset. Either the Rams, either the Rams defeating the Bucks, or the Niners defeating the Packers. That's going to be, it's one of those is going to be, an, uh, it's going to be an, an upset. I want at least One upset. One upset. And I'm not sure which one I want. Do I want Brady to just not get another one? I, I mean, because I mean, I will say I kind of want Rodgers to get his uh, get his uh, Super Bowl. But who knows? Yes. We'll be talking about that, Ryan. i will talking about that. I, that's very interesting. I'm hoping that it sticks. I'm hoping that it sticks. So we'll see what happens. Mr. Tony. Good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good got a little uh you know it took a little bit almost uh to down to the wire i thought i was gonna have to postpone the stream for a little bit there so you know yeah ah you're late you missed the opening you did captain gator girl don't worry i'll be posting it right after i'll be posting it so don't worry you know me anytime i have the opening sketch or anything like that i post it as an individual video because that's what i like to do anyways guys you guys are awesome make sure you smash that like thumbs up Uh, of course oops um Do all that, make sure we're doing all that. Let's talk some Batman today. That's not really, you know, I think, well, we had two days of talking about Whedon. Two days of talking about Whedon. But um, there is something, though, that I was going to uh, mention yesterday. What's going on there, Hotshot? Good to see you. Let's go, Batman. Let's go, Batman. I love it. I love it. But uh, there was was an article I was going to mention yesterday. Well, I'll mention it during the tweets. Uh, It was a good article that... um, Somebody you know that is very much a friend of mine wrote yesterday, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that, but but anyways, guys. All right, let's get this party started. Let's get to those tweets. <laughs> Hold on, I forgot to turn that off. Here we go. There we go. We're good. We're good. Okay, so this is intro. Just right off the bat here, um, this is interesting. I don't know, you know, Mr. Brandon Davis of ComicBook.com. Apparently, the the Spider-Man spinoff ish. Uh, Craven the Hunter movie is reportedly filming next month. Like, what? What? Uh, filming next month. And thank you, Ryan. Sugar Daddy Ryan is back. <laughs> thank you for the, uh, the $10 or the $9.99 uh, super chat there. Thank you, Ryan. Mr. Ryan Platt's right there uh i know we always had that joke that was like earlier that was like last year where you were just like "Woo, yeah you were definitely my sugar daddy so sugar daddy ryan coming back right there so thank you sir thank you for the uh the donation always appreciate it always much appreciated. helps out the pirate ship big time but yes according to uh comicbook.com and uh, brandon davis mr bd right here apparently i was wondering if this was even going to be happening anymore but the Craven the Hunter movie is reportedly going to be filming next month. So this uh, he dropped this last night and uh, said Spider-Man is reportedly set to start filming soon. According to the often accurate Murphy's multiverse, the Craven film is going to star Aaron Taylor Johnson, the titular uh, the role and character from the pages of Marvel Comics best known for ruthlessly pursuing Spider-Man and the others as a mercenary. As for which Spider-Man he'll be a part of, this is in Craven's world, there's a, whoa, shit, whoa, I just had my, thing. hold on, I had a mess up here, damn, easy there, sorry, I got a new, like, uh, I got a new little platform here, oh, crap, <laughs> gravity just took over, okay, we're good, we're good, relax, 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 my whole thing, my whole setup just, like, went kaploosh right here, hold on, we're good. Yeah, I got a new, like, uh, platform for my uh, for my laptop, and everything just went swoof, man, I tell you. That was, god damn, this thing's too big. That's what it is. It's too big for the desk. I need a bigger desk. That's what it is. Okay, we're good. We're good. That escalated quickly. Jeez. Anyways. All right, we're good. All right. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Kaploosh, yeah. Yeah, I just made up a whole... I just made up a new word right there, so that was fun. All right, we're good. We're good. Gravity just kind of took over. I guess I was leaning on it too much. Yeah, the other one, like the legs kind of, one of the legs broke right there, so, yeah. I had to use a a different one, so we're all good. Anyway, so there's your uh, update, apparently, about Craven the Hunter right there. We're good, and happy birthday to Miss... uh, I can never say her name, but, you know, Fayora. Apparently, it was her birthday yesterday. So, happy birthday to her. Uh, Those gorgeous eyes, I tell you what. And we're apparently going to see her again in the flash. So, that's good. That's good. Emergency, right? All right. I thought this was pretty funny right here. Me pretending to have five years experience at an entry-level interview. That's pretty hilarious. Whoever made that, that's funny. Hey, look at that. Kim Basinger. I wonder if she's going to show back up in the flash. You never know. I don't think uh, Nicol- I don't think uh, Jack Nicholson is going to. So well, I think well, I don't think that's going to happen. This is funny right here, Thomas the, uh, the you know little engine that could. Yeah, he knew too much. He knew too much. So they covered his face. He's just trying to not get COVID. That's what's happening right there. He's trying not to get COVID. That's all. That is all. This is a pretty good poster right here. Michael Keaton Batman. I like it. It's good. It's a good combination, good collage of poster right here. This is a really cool edit right here with, uh, you know, Moon Knight and the Batman that's going to be coming out. Obviously, uh, March is going to be a very intense, very intense superhero type of month right there. So that's cool. And thank you to Mr. Anderson Miller. He put this little, uh, you know, he made this little banner right here and uh, created a little campaign that said, ayer on the vodka stream so we put it right here david ayer on the vodka stream fans want to hear from the man himself no better platform than film junkies the vodka stream david ayer please uh, consider accepting dave's invitation to be on his show ayer on the vodka stream so there you go there's a hashtag you guys tweet out right there that's right be sweet like i said i've I've reached out. I've reached out. We'll see what happens. You know, when, when if if he ever wants to talk, then uh, hopefully we'll talk, man. Hopefully that'll be the case. I love it. I very much would uh, would uh, just welcome him in and just have him want talk whatever the fuck he wants to talk about. Whether it's about the air cut, whether, you know. I actually would love to talk to him just about his origin story, as I always like to do when I have guests on. But, yeah. It'd be great to get Ayer on the... Uh, on the, uh, the Vodka stream. What is happening? Okay, we're good. No glitch. Uh-oh. I Like I said, I've been having glitches. Okay, so we're good. It seems like uh, my YouTube kind of glitched right now. Uh-oh. We're not glitching, are we? All right, we're good. We're good. I don't know why it's saying that on here. Hmm. What's up, Chrissy? Good to see you. And then we got the uh, Amazon uh, Lord of the Rings series. is officially titled The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Uh, And it will cover second age of Middle Earth from the forging of the rings and the last alliance of elves and men right here So this was dropped today A lot of people were freaking out about it It seemed very interesting like I've I've told you guys Movies are good, but I just I'm not super into the whole Lord of the Rings lore But you know, maybe I have to dive back into it and kind of see what they do right here But yeah, this was this little teaser trailer was released today it's not going to be coming out for a little bit though, right? I don't think it's coming out till next year. I'm, th- I'm thinking, right? I don't know. Interesting. But and there's beautiful Michelle Pfeiffer. It's Catwoman. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Uh, hey, on um, this day, uh, this day in 1990, one of my all-time favorite movies, Tremors, came out. That's right. And this day, 1990, the cult classic Tremors was released. That's what I like. Graboids. Graboids. Love that movie. Love that movie so much. Part of my childhood. Um, I thought I thought this was a good little uh, thumbnail right here I created for uh, the story about about Willem Defoe. About Willem Defoe and his idea for Joker 2. Remember when I talked about that on Monday? Well, I finally, like, clipped it out, and I, I actually just spent some time making that thumbnail because I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I was like, how am I going to show a thumbnail like that? And I actually spent some time on that. I mean... This little cutout of the Joker's face, pretty much after you kind of do stuff in Photoshop, it fit perfectly on Defoe's, you know, smiling face right there. I mean, that looks pretty damn cool, I thought. So, good times. Good times. Of course, we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's see. Tom Cruise's uh, Mission Impossible tenure is currently at 23 years, a span of time covered in the Bond series by Connery Lazenby. And um, more combined. So pretty much Tom Cruise has played Ethan Hunt for 23 years, and that's longer than any Bond. That's right. What's going on, Mr. Wheel Diesel? Good to see you. Has anybody tried this? This looks gross. Um, Again, I'm I'm one of those people that if you're going to be vegan, be vegan and just eat fruit and vegetables. And whatever not, you know, just be vegan. But if you have to really like resort to these fake like chicken McNuggets thing, that looks like that looks like clay right there. That looks like clay. That's not exactly a good little look for it when you're trying to be chicken right there. I thought that was funny. I don't know, but they're releasing that Beyond Chicken. Ugh. I'm sorry. No. I'm like, if you're going to be vegan, just be vegan. Come on. If you're going to do keto, be keto. Don't get the keto bread or the keto candy or whatever the fuck. I hate that shit. Dumb. But that's just, I saw that. I'm like, what the? That's, I mean, I guess. It made you hungry? Ugh. Chicken looks like tofu. Yeah, exactly. I mean, You might as well just call it that. Just call it tofu. Tofu. Fried tofu. Just do that instead. Just do that instead, I guess. Here's another picture of the Joker and Kim Basinger. Vicky Vale. I like it. I like it. And then, of course, the damn marketing, these posters, these sexy posters when it comes to Batman and Catwoman for the Batman. It's just so freaking good. And this made me laugh right here. <laughs> just, come on. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's not the best Photoshop job, but, I, you know, the, the, the idea is there. The idea is there. Yeah, keto candy isn't that bad, Selena, but it's not keto. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not keto. Technically, you know, when you have to cheat to get there, it's just not. It's not worth it. Uh, Jason meant zucchas, manzukas Ma- Well, apparently, okay. So we all know about the. Uh, We all know about the Pam and Tommy Lee Hulu series that's coming out in a little bit called Pam and Tommy. That's about the sex tape that leaked. Um, Well, I mean, according to I mean, of course, this was like, you know, before the Internet and stuff like that. But apparently um, Jason right here is going to be voicing Tommy Lee's penis. That's right. Tommy Lee's penis. So that means there's going to be, I guess, scenes where Tommy Lee is like tripping balls or whatnot, and his penis is talking to him. And, you know, I mean, if anybody has actually seen the said sex video, you know that penis is, you know, it's a, it's a third leg. Let's just, let's just say it. We can compliment a man. It's a third leg. It really is. So, um, but apparently it's going to have a voice, and it's going to be voiced by Mr. Jason Wren here, which he's been in various things. He's a comedian. Um, I... It's just like what the hell? Um, that's insane right there. <laughs> I know. Andrew, I'm not sure what we do with this information either, but I thought it was funny so I retweeted it so that we could talk about it on film Junkie Live. That's right. Tommy Lee's penis is going to have a voice in Pam and Tommy. I'm looking forward to the series. I saw have to reactivate my Hulu because I got to watch that and I got to watch Women of the movement. Uh, Ray Fisher's women of the movement. I got to catch up on that too. But uh, I currently, I, ca- I canceled my Hulu for, for a little bit. But I think now that we're getting into the uh, playoff football, I'm going to end up canceling some uh, my, my TV because I don't need it. That was the only reason why I needed it. And then I'm going to get my Hulu going so I can catch up some of the stuff right there because I want to hear, I want to see how they pull this off, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So And, of course, Sebastian Stan is Tommy Lee. But, yeah, his penis Got to have a voice. I like it. It's going to be interesting, man, I tell you. And here you go, guys. Here you go. Remember what I said? Remember what I said ever since Monday, ever since the the Whedon article came out, and some people are going like, hey, should Zack Snyder respond to this? I said, no, he's not going to respond to it directly. Not going to respond to it. What I want Zack to do is to post something subtle, as he does, to just show his support for Ray. And I knew he would come through. You can't tell me that this is a subtle way to let him know, to let everyone know that he is 100% backing Ray Fisher. He's standing with Ray Fisher because he's always said that Cyborg, that Ray was the heart of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And what does he do? He gets a coffee because we know the man loves his coffee. And there's a heart, of course, that, you know, those people, can the, the uh, whatchamacallits, they put it in there. And he put a heart right there, took a nice little picture of it, and there you go. Subtle, to the point, if you know, you know. This is it. This is him right there. This is what I wanted. This is what I wanted. I don't want Zach to talk about it. If he comes back on the Vodka stream, I won't even mention about Joss Whedon, nothing about Joss Whedon. We saw how we, he reacted when it came to... Um, using any kind of any kind of footage that he used for his Justice League, Justice League. Yeah, we know how we know how Zach feels, but we know that Zach is 100 percent behind Ray Fisher, and this was his way of putting it out there. So kudos to Zach, cheers to Zach. That's what I wanted right there. That's what all I wanted from him right there. I love it. I love it. It's a good man. It's a good man right there. It's a definite good man. <laughs> yeah, you know, this tweet right here. So, yeah, so basically Robert Pattinson was indeed joking about not working out. So I said, oh, let me show you my shock face. I'm Robert Pattinson, asshole. Remember when that whole thing happened? Oh, yeah, he was quick to just throw Robert Pattinson under the bus. But this lengthy Joss Whedon article came out. And mum's the word? Has he not talked about it? He still hasn't talked about it, right? Still has not said anything about it? That's what's so strange. You know? Come on, Campia. You could talk about it. It's fine. You can talk about it. Nothing wrong with talking about that. I know Joss Whedon was your hero at one point, but it just kind of speaks a little bit of volumes when that happens. Ugh, It's ridiculous. Okay, so here's the article that I was talking about. If you guys haven't seen it yet... um. Please uh, do so. Give it a read. It was posted on Screen Rant. Joss Whedon's response to Justice League abuse claims is even worse. I posted the link down below. I meant to talk about this last night, but I totally forgot. Uh, Stephen kind of breaks down the response. He does a very good job because, you know, it's, it's Stephen. It's Steven. So and I like how he breaks it down with like the individual parts right here. Joss Whedon's excuses make accusations against him look even worse. Which it does. Joss Whedon's answer confirms some accusation, but he doesn't apologize because he's a narcissist. Joss Whedon's response is due to abuse. Allegations double down on his bad behavior. Whedon's version of his Justice League reshoot behavior has already, was already debunked. So there's all that right there. So if you guys haven't read it, please do yourself a favor. Read it. Post it the link down below. Great job, Steven. Um... Yeah, it's just a, it's a very well written and broken down article right there. And then, of course, uh, we have David Ayer right here going to his Instagram saying you're so close to what you always wanted. Just relax. He keeps on posting little things like this. Does it mean anything about the air cut? Who knows? Hopefully it does. We can uh, we have optimism when it comes about that. Uh, and then remember this video right here. So all this was fake. Crazy. So this was all... I thought, because, you know, at the Avengers, whatchamacallit, over there at Disney World, whatever, we know that they have this animatronic, like, Spider-Man thing, and we just thought, oh, yeah, they kind of fucked up when they shot the thing, but apparently this whole video was just VFX. It was just full-on VFX. I thought they actually just launched... I thought they just launched that little animatronic dude, and it just didn't hit. I thought... But apparently it was just completely VFX. Somebody just, you know, pulled a fast one. What's real anymore? We're we're living in a goddamn simulation, I tell you what. Goddamn simulation. Listen to me now. It's David. David Zavlov. He's the key, Will Diesel. Yes. And this is funny right here. Ray Fisher uh, quote tweeted this with some laughter. Dear Hollywood screenwriters, have you ever heard a black person scream booyah? Why this in every script? Exactly. This is what's so funny about this. And, you know, every every writer, every person in Hollywood, again, they 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 want they want to make sure that they that they that they, they, they they don't want to be racist so badly that they try so hard to not be racist. But then they think they that 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 black guys actually say booyah, <laughs> I mean, booyah. I mean, that's what's so funny about that. It's like, stop it. I've never heard a black guy say booyah, and it's absolutely true. Stop trying to be, try, they just tried to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, they, they say that cat catchphr- the catchphrase, right? Right? Yeah, stop saying booyah. Stop putting that in scripts. And I love the fact that Ray Fisher uh, commented about that because it's just so ridiculous that they put that in there. They put that in there. Nobody, yeah. I, I, I don't know who says booyah, to be honest. Ugh. Yeah, it's Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, this is kind of funny right here They're they're all coming back So we got the Joss Whedon article And the Lena Dunham I forgot that she kind of got cancelled for a little bit there She's trying to come back too And uh, somebody pull out the bug spray Pull out the bug spray from the Russian family The fly spray Let's get rid of those guys Ugh, Ugh. Lena Dunham, bad Ugh. This is pretty funny right here Um. This is fake as shit but, yeah, this is uh, a, new, uh, a new supposed leak for the cast members of Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Could be fake. It is absolutely fake. Look at some of the names right here. It's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's going down the complete list and just kind of saying, you know, there's two Wongs, apparently. Uh, we, got the, uh, we got Henry Cavill as Hyperline. Uh, and then we got, we got Ben Affleck coming back. We got Sue Storm. Uh, Chris Evans coming back as Johnny Storm We got Hugh Jackman uh, We got all kinds of people supposedly coming back We got both professors coming back Jennifer Lawrence, bullshit She would never come back January Jones, all them, Halle Berry Look at that, Chris Potter We got a couple of Gambits coming coming in here Evan Peters coming in here It even says Ralph Boner, which is funny uh, And then it says Ben Stiller As Lawrence Larry DeL- <laughs> It's like, come on Ben Stiller? Ah, Kat Dennings. Uh, Then, of course, it shows, like, it's got Tom Cruise. And then Leonardo DiCaprio is a version of Peter Parker. (laughs) So instead of um, Tom Holland, they have Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, and Leonardo DiCaprio coming in there. So, yeah, this is fake as shit. Edward Norton. And then Lou Ferrigno. (laughs) Lou Ferrigno. Not Eric Bana, but Lou Ferrigno coming back as the Hulk also. So, goddamn, you got to love the bullshit that shows up on the – On the internet right there. Definitely fake. That was cute. Very cute. Very cute right there. So we're not buying it, though. We're not buying it. So I just, yeah, I love that. When I saw that, I was like, wow. Then uh, There was also like an image, like one of those blurry images that was supposedly of Tom Cruise and like the mocap PJs with like a Tony Stark like uh, facial hair that was going around yesterday, too. It's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, there's really no reason why they would need to do that. You know, I mean, why would they I, I, when you're talking about variants, you don't need a Tony Stark variant, first off, because it's like I mean, I don't know if they would go that far, because obviously Tom Cruise was on the short list when it came to Tony Stark, like who was going to be cast as Tony Stark. Yeah, he was on the short list at one point. But why would you need to, you know, have him be a Tony Stark variant? I mean, I guess it could be kind of cool, but, you know. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. All right. Let's go through this article right here, man. This article that showed up today from Movie Maker. MovieMaker.com. Here we go. The Batman. Let's dive into The Batman. All right. A detective story to understand Matt Reeves and The Batman. Look to the 1970s. I love that. So when that shit was going on the following interviews with the with the Batman director Matt Reeves and stars Robert Pattinson Zoe Kravitz Jeffrey Wright Colin Farrell and producer Dylan Clark contain no sp- plot spoilers but do detail Reeves vision of the film so we're going to go through this a little bit right here and kind of dive into uh, the Batman a little bit because you guys obviously it's like the most anticipated movie of 2022 according to a lot of people of course so Let's just dive into it. There are, uh, let's see, when this, at first they're going to be talking about, okay, so what everyone involved in the Batman mentions about director Matt Reeves and uh, his, specific, uh, his specificity. That's right, because we know this guy is totally bleeding Batman right now. So Jeffrey Wright said right here, there were times when I thought maybe we don't need that comma there. Jeffrey uh, says Jeffrey Wright, who plays the uh, uncorruptible, incorruptible, incorruptible uh, Gotham cop, Lieutenant Gordon. That's right. He's going to be Lieutenant Gordon. And he's like, wait a minute. That comma relates to a comma in the next scene. If you take that one out, then it changes the value of the next one. It's a really tightly woven script. So literally down to punctuation. (laughs) That's what Wright is talking about right here. Speaking to Wright, a few months before the film's release, I assumed he was kidding about the comma, trying to make a point about Reeves' exactitude without giving away any plot points of the most anticipated movie of 2023. So I asked Reeves, I'm sure that is true, he says, adding, hearing that makes me feel somewhat bad. We're speaking over over Zoom, and his hair and mustache make uh, him look a little like a cross between Ethan Hawke and the version of Jim Gordon played by Gary Oldman in Christopher Nolan's Batman films. His response, like like his thinking about the comma, is patient, deliberate, and a little apologetic for being so deliberative. The first thing that I'm doing when I'm working is I'm trying to internalize everything because I have it internalized, then my compass is functional, Reeves explains. So I'm trying to feel it would be like for everybody. I'm trying to feel like what it would be like for everybody, but I'm not the actor that any of these people are. I'm just an actor on paper in my head and in my vision and in a vision I am I have an an instinct about what the emotional path is. When Jeffrey comes in, he has so many great ideas. He's an amazing actor, so he brings something to life. So the last thing I'd want to do is to have him do it the way I would, I would do it, because it won't be nearly as good, he explains. But the uh, speci- specificity, I can't even say that. specificity of the comma has to do with emphasis, and that's a narrative, and that is narrative. There are moments when the comma is narrative. The comma is something that sets something apart that's going to come back in an important way, and his story in particular is the most intricate narrative I have ever, ever tried to tackle. So he put a lot, a lot a lot of work into when it comes to Commissioner Gordon into this script right here. The details really do matter says Robert Pattinson, who plays Bruce Wayne and Batman two personalities who are painfully intertwined in the Batman. Pattinson says he was worried at first when Reeves would ask for a lot of takes. Oh, we we kind of heard something about that where he wants to do like a lot of takes. I don't know. So Matt Reeves doing a lot of takes, he's not he's not um uh, He's not taking a a page out of the book of Ridley Scott of filmmaking where Ridley Scott's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Your first thought is, oh, my God, I'm absolutely terrible. He laughs with the trademark self-deprecation, but when Reeves would show him the playback of the scenes, which Reeves likes to do, he began to see the same make-or-break nuances the director did. For example, The Mask, the Batman cinematographer Greg Frazier, who also shot Rogue One, um, told Pattinson early on the two most difficult things to light are, Dar- are Darth Vader's helmet and the cow. So there you go diving into the cinematography of to make the bat cow look great with the lighting and reflections and whatnot. Greg Frazier. I mean obviously what we've seen from the trailer they made that cow look pretty damn good even with some of the pictures that we see and some of the images that we see of that cow that's got to be pretty difficult to do and these guys are fucking artists, man. When it comes to all this stuff. So, and then he continues on and says, There's a whole different language, body language, you have to learn to make it do what you want it to do, says Pattinson. If you look too much into the light, it looks completely ridiculous, and you're wearing a Halloween costume. Even Michael Keaton, I think even Kevin Smith has said this about, you know, when you look at the 89 Batsuit and the cowl and everything, you see that in broad daylight, it looks ridiculous, but you shoot it just right with the right lighting, dark make it dark and the cinematography looks great. It actually, the suit pops. You see that in broad daylight though? It looks ridiculous. That's just the way I think pretty much a lot of the bat suits do. Maybe not the bat bat suit. I think that one just looks pretty all around, right? Um, If you look to, yeah. So he says all that. And then of course, but if you're two millimeters down, it's like, Oh, that's completely to Tom, to Tomic. And, uh, and, I, and like it looks exactly how it's supposed to look, but to learn how to feel and learn how to react to how the light hits it takes forever. Every millimeter matters. And then here's what we have to say with uh, Zoe Kravitz right here. There was a scene where I, Selena, was coming out of the club, and I'm upset. And says Zoe Kravitz, who plays, of course, her. You know, you walk, and you're upset, and your mouth is kind of open because you're breathing because you're emotional. And then you're closing your mouth, but you're just kind of getting rid of the emotion just slightly. So you try to keep your mouth relaxed the same way. But then I watched back and I could see the difference. And I was like, you are a freak and I love it. So there's a method to this this man's madness right here. And I love it. See right there, the cow looks pretty good. I mean, it's a behind-the-scenes image, but it's uh, pretty cool. Of course, he doesn't have his gauntlet on right there. It kind of—that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I always like that shot. You always like that shot of the director doing doing something like this. You know, they're doing the director like—they're han- doing the vogue, the director vogue motions. You know, they're doing all this kind of stuff. I like that. I always love seeing shots like that ah uh, let's see besides directing the batman reeves co-wrote the script with peter Gregg. every day night and day he eats drinks sleeps batman and all the characters in the in uh this mythology says colin farrell who of course plays the pigment he's no doubt hunched over a monitor as we speak still finishing putting the final touches together matt is about uh, the most specific person and director i've ever worked with Adds Kravitz, and I really think it's one of the one of his biggest strengths. I think sometimes he beats himself up about it because he can probably drive himself almost crazy sometimes. But his specificity, specificity is really beautiful, especially in the in a film like this where you can uh, where you could be so easy to just focus on the big action sequences or explosions. But he will pay attention to the way you put down a cup. That's how detailed Matt Reeves is. The puzzle pieces, uh, mystery clues, a Batman assembled in, uh, and informed by Reeves reference um, for reference um, for films released in the 1970s childhood. Uh, he's talking about thrillers like Clued, uh, Chinatown and all the president's men. So those are some inspirations right there. In the 1950s, Reeves dad. Yeah. So a little backstory. This shows like a little backstory talks about a little backstory when it comes to uh, Matt Reeves and the Batman. Matt Reeves was born in 1966, the the same year that the Batman TV series premiered. His his parents soon moved from uh, New York to Los Angeles, all that stuff. There was always a kind of, um, yeah, so he just kind of always had, you know, he's just kind of like his backstory right here. I don't need to go too crazy. Here's a new image right here, which is, um, I... I don't know about you guys, but I'm dying to see this scene right here. The scene where Batman kind of faces off with GCPD. I mean, come on. We've seen that. We saw that in the first trailer where he was like laying down and then all of a sudden he gets up and then Gordon like slams him up to the cage. I really, I'm curious about this scene so much. The fact that Batman is just like, just pretty much wants to take on the entire GCPD because he's so fucking Looney Tunes in the head right there. Looney Tunes. But I like that. So we talk about all that. Welcome to Gotham, syndicated Gotham, uh, Batman episodes, previous joyous, colorful backdrop in 1970s childhood. But but also lurking in the background from frequent references to something called Watergate, a real life, cynical, political drama that in 1974 brought down the president of the United States. Two key characters in the Batman Gotham, Mayor Don Mitchell, Jr. and District Attorney Gil Coulson. Share last names with key figures in the Watergate scandal, which is portrayed in the 1976 ripped from the headlines film All the President's Men in real life President Nixon's advisor and and Hatchman. Uh, Chuck Colson was the first member of the administration to be in prison for his political dirty work. John N. Mitchell was Nixon's campaign manager, a proponent of law and order sentenced to prison for multi for multiple Watergate related crimes. So there you go. A little bit of uh, insight of where some of these characters are coming from that aren't part of Batman's actual story. So that's cool. I asked Matt Reeves if there's a significance of his use of the names Coulson and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, he says right here, I wanted to do a story in which the corruption of Gotham was one of the most important aspects of the story because Gotham's Gotham is a sick place. Bruce is desperate to try to make a change. He's still stuck to be honest, emotionally stunted at being 10 years old because that's a trauma you don't get past witnessing your parents murder in that place he's looking to create meaning right this is the only meaning he can find i think he imagines that if he can do this somehow he can reverse what's happened which will never be reversed this is a very human impulse right to try to relive something and remake it reeves notes that from the first appearance of batman Detective comments number 22 published in uh, 1933 by uh, bob kane and bob finger presented him as a noir figure in line the other hard-charging um, detectives of the novels, comics, and films of World War II and the post-war era. The comics would eventually come to describe him as the world's greatest detective. This idea of a place that is corrupt and you try to swim against the tide in order to fight against it and make a, make a difference is uh, qu- quintessential to uh, Batman. And at the center of those noir stories is almost always the detective, right? And that's why he's the world's greatest detective. And so this story is, in addition to being almost a horror movie and a thriller and an action movie, at its core is also very much a detective story. It's very narrative. I love it. We want to see more of that detective story, you know, as we've talked about many times before. Wright concurs, Matt built an architecture within his script that was extremely well-considered. Pattinson was impressed that all, the, uh, that all the detective talk wasn't just lip service. So apparently Pattinson was kind of going like, wow, is it really like a detective story? And turn, turns out, pretty much is. In the first meeting, he was saying, we want to lean into the world's greatest detective aspect and be a detective noir movie, he says. And you know, normally when directors say that, that they just do like a mood board and it's just about imagery. But I read the script and it is. It's a detective movie. It happens all the time in the graphic novels, but it's always kind of the backburner back of the movies. The film noir of the 1930s and 40s was a major point of reference from Roman uh, Polanski's That Guy. 1974, near noir Chinatown, in which uh, Jack Nicholson's cynical private detective, Jake Gitz, uh, or I forgot exactly how you say that name, realizes that Los Angeles is even more crooked than he imagined. So bringing in some of those elements right there. And so I knew that this story was going to be as as he went on this path to come to understand these crimes that that he's being led on by the Riddler. It needed to go back ultimately into a sense of expansive history that started to explain why this place was this way in a way that while it starts seemingly on this path that's impersonal because it's because he's investigating these crimes, it ends up taking in unexpected ways to something that was incredibly personal. That's why when we hear him, like, you're very much a part of this. That's why when Edwards says that to Bruce... I mean, that was intriguing from the first trailer when he says, you're very much a part of this. And Bruce says, how am I a part of this? I'm curious to see where that leads to. There had to be a very deep conspiracy going on. And so I watched all the president's men and I reread the book and I just started saying, "Okay, so how do we start to describe just how high the corruption went? It's very much Like all the President's Men in that way. I think I'm going to have to watch that movie before I watch the Batman. I think you guys should too. watch that movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. So I've seen Chinatown, but I haven't seen um, all the President's Men, but I'm probably gonna have to revisit some of those two right there. So uh, enter another dark icon in the 1970s the never identified Zodiac Killer who ta- taunted uh, the Bay detectives who tried to vain to stop it. The Zodiac-inspired the Riddler played in the Batman by Paul Dano. So I think we all kind of got a sense that, yes, there was going to be that Zodiac Killer type. Hey, look at that handsome devil right there. Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot. I tell you, this movie... If it doesn't get some main awards recognition, it's definitely going to get the makeup. Makeup for of course him. Oh man. Still blown away by the way that looks. The premise of the movie is that the Riddler is kind of a mold is kind of molded in the almost Zodiac killer sort of mode and is killing very prominent figures in Gotham. And they are the pillars of society. These are supposedly legitimate figures. It begins with the mayor, and then it escalates from there. And in the wake of the murders, he reveals the ways in which these people were not everything they said they were. And you start to realize there's some kind of association. And so, just like Woodward and Bernstein, you've got Gordon and Batman trying to follow the clues to try to make sense of this thing in a classic kind of detective story way. God, I'm looking forward to this. I wanted bits of those names because I wanted the conspiracy to come uh, with this uh, forcefulness of history and believ- uh, believability for me, Reeves explains. Obviously talking about Colson and, and uh, Mitchell. All the money. Follow the money. Uh, All the President's Men was the third film for, yeah, uh, yeah. Talking about paranoia. Reeves and uh, Kravitz talked about Clute. I haven't seen Clute, but. Maybe I should check that out, too. The film kind of became a Bible for me in terms of the tone and relationship between the two of them, and that's one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. Jane Fonda just blows me away, says uh, Kravitz. Also, one of my favorite actors, Donald Sutherland, says Reeves. Uh, and what I love about Donald Sutherland in that movie is he judges her. He he judges her, and yet he falls in love with her. So now you're going to get a sense of how Bruce feels about Selena right there. Like, he... Probably has a little bit of judgment, but he's obviously fallen for it. If you saw the Bat and the Cat trailer, I mean, my God. And I just thought there was something about that that related to what I thought could be Batman-Selena Kyle's story. He doesn't understand what it takes to survive in this place. What you have to do is just survive in a place this rough. Like Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle has no powers. Both rely on... uh, Tenacity, uh, deductive skills, and courage, but Bruce is super rich, and Selina has nothing. Selina has had a very difficult life and has lived on the street and is trying to survive, says Kravitz. She really knows how scary the world is. Just based off the certain things that Batman says, she, can grow, she could tell he grew up wealthy. So that little dynamic... Uh, You know, which we'll get more of Which we, you know, we've seen, of course, in the books We've seen in the animated stuff I mean, if you watch that first episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series uh, Scott and I, we covered that on Batman the Fanimated Stream uh, The first appearance of Catwoman When you get that dynamic, the back and forth They kind of captured that right there It takes a very special safety net to even be able to do What he's doing, yes, okay He's risking his life, but he's risking his life In the way that only someone Who has all the resources that He has can do. He absolutely has privilege. There's no question. He was born with privilege. He is a descendant of city royalty. I wanted him to have an awakening of sorts where he would question her about what she is doing. He says, this is Matt Reeves. And she says, you know, I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, you obviously grew up rich. So Selena, of course, knows. Oh, she knows. She knows. Then there's uh, the um, other well-regarded film in the 1970s. Reeves' filmmaking heroes included Martin Scorsese, of course, Alfred Hitchcock, Akira uh, (coughs) Kurosawa, Federico Fellini, and Francis Ford Coppola, who's The Godfather and The Godfather Part II, widely regarded as two of the greatest films of all time, influenced the Batman in a surprising way. So this time... (laughs) Okay, so unlike, you know, when the Russo brothers start talking about, you know, start comparing their movies to uh, Godfather, stuff like that. I think with uh, with the Batman, we can actually say that's kind of (laughs) true. We can actually go. Yeah, yeah. You can actually say that, you know, and I'm kind of wondering, like, if maybe Martin Scorsese will actually watch this version. I don't know. Maybe well. Colin Farrell, like Reeves. First new Batman from the campy TV series, one of the more outlandish characters in the Cape Crusaders rotating rogues gallery of villains was the Penguin portrayed by the scenery and Czar uh, chompy Burgess Meredith. As a grumpy, gaudy parody of an aristocrat with top hat, tuxedo, tails, monocle, long cigar, cigarette. And, uh, you know, we all know what he was looking like, of course, you know. But you know They wanted to reference that Reeves saw him differently Colin Farrell's Oz Who who prefers not to be called the Penguin Is the shady proprietor Of the Iceberg Lounge A Gotham Underworld hangout Doing the bidding of the reclusive Crime Lord Carmine Falcone There's a certain amount of brokenness Of brokenness in Oz That I think as a reference Not for me performance wise But just emotionally As a reference to Matt I think Fredo from The Godfather was a bit of a reference, says Colin Farrell. Played by uh, John Cazale, Fredo uh, Corleone is the weak son of Vito Corleone, and uh, who is uh, stepped over by his more capable younger brother, Michael, and who is, uh, of course, Al Pacino, and, uh, and in turn portrays, him. Farrell's performance is by no means an imitation of that. So, you know, but you know, you could see where he's like where they're kind of getting it from right here. And then um, I think uh Farrell says right here, Matt was just talking about somebody who had a very real and very lofty ambitions, but never really had the opportunity or the chance to explore them and was maybe looked upon as someone who was handicapped. Whether it was uh, psychologically, intellectually, Fredo was frowned upon as less than his other brothers, and maybe Oz as well in his life was looked upon as somebody who wasn't capable. And so that's one of the things that fuels Oz. So there you go. You get a little bit of backstory. You get a little bit of where Oswald is coming from right here. You know, being kind of like, you know, not exactly uh, the poster boy of, of certain things. So... Um, let's see, while Batman way, uh, Cheryl moral clarity of mental, and uh, let's see, so I went on to go through, like, everything right here, I didn't want to go through everything, here's a new image of, uh, a more clear image of Selena Kyle, of course, doing her thing right here, trying to open up, I guess, a, a safe right here that I, th- you yeah. <laughs> Uh, Even in the early comics, there was something which I liked, says Pattinson, Uh, in a lot of the early tellings of it. He's just sitting at home and a bat just smashes through the window and he's like, that's it. I'll be a bat. He laughs. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, but it's cool. The Batman script, Pattinson explains, finally embraces the madness. There's an element in the other iterations of the story where Bruce goes off, does his training, masters himself, and then comes back to Gotham as a fully realized character and a delineation between Bruce and Batman, the public Bruce and the pri- the private Bruce and the, uh, and the Batman Bruce. See? Again... What do we talked about? What do we talk about with uh, Dr. Andrea, the the Arkham Asylum doctor? She talks about how there are three Bruce Wayans, not two. There are three. And he even said it right here. There's public Bruce, there's private Bruce and there's Batman Bruce. There's three different personalities when it comes to Batman and very contained and uh, are very contained, and he can control them more easily. And in this, the lines have totally blurred. His self, as Bruce, is sort of uh, dysentery... And dis- and yeah, I can't I'm totally choking on my words right there. After his massive breakout success in, in Twilight, which is what everybody... Everybody uh, keeps on referring to him. Pattinson took care to prove himself outside of big franchises. He disappeared into the role of a bearded, you know, obviously Lost City of Z and then, of course, The Lighthouse and a Good Time, which a lot of people have talked about, too. Yes, Reeves and the Batman producer Dylan Clark took note. We're like, he's just making insanely bold choices, this guy. He went from being Very early on in a giant franchise where he was a poster boy to really pushing himself as an actor, working with incredibly talented directors and pushing himself all the way. And he and we just respected that. So that's what they're just kind of, you know, throwing some uh, praise over there when it comes to uh, when it comes to Robert Pattinson as Batman. When Ben Affleck, who played Bruce Wayne, Batman, in 2016's Batman vs. Superman and the subsequent Justice League, decided not to go ahead with plans to direct and star in his solo Bat film, Warner Brothers turned to Matt Reeves, who enlisted Clark to join him on the project. Meanwhile, as questions swirled about who would replace Affleck under the cow, Pattinson became fascinated by the idea of taking on the role. What Pattinson did didn't know was that Reeves had begun writing the Batman with him in mind. So this is pretty interesting right here. Batman is an amazing myth that has endured for uh, that has endured over 80 years says Reeves, and it's because of the crazy mix, there's a part of it that is just simply cool, right? He looks cool, he's got a cool car, he's got all the stuff. He's like James Bond, I guess, in a certain way, right? But there's also something very relatable to the pain that he's gone through. Wait, according to the Russos, they're not relatable. I'm just kidding. Um, and so that, for me, was how you ground it. Those aspects are part of the story, and the story emphasizes those things the story pulls those things out so that's why I was excited about Robert Pattinson because he's such a wonderful actor and I knew that he would be able to go on and search with me for the depth and complexity of the character I mean I knew he wasn't going to play him straight ahead oh wait I heard that Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson hate each other what in writing from the beginning, I was imagining the character in my head and I started watching movies of actors in the same age age range and he just really, uh, really kind of captivated me and I started writing for him at a certain point. I had no idea if he would ever want to be in the movie. So, I mean, that's kind of that's nice when you have a movie as big as this is going to be and the writer-director looked at you and said, you know what, I'm going to write it with you in mind. And... Then all of a sudden, you get it. So that's cool. Reeves had spent many years resisting blockbusters for the fear of too many cooks and too many concessions to uh, corporate demands. When the opportunity came to do Cloverfield, I said, J.J., I just want to understand why you want me to do this because this fantastical part of, the, uh, of it is not really the thing I want to focus on, says Reeves. And he goes, I know. You're going to make everything else real. And that's why Cloverfield was so great. He word that Pattinson might have a similar aversion to big budget films. I've never auditioned for any comic book movies before, Pattinson explains, and at the, and at the time, even my agents thought uh, they thought it was pretty out of character to just suddenly get fixated on Batman. And I didn't even really know the status of the project around around the same time around that time. Pattinson and Clark had gen- had a general meeting about potential collaborations with no specific project in mind. We're talking about twenty different things, and then he starts kind of saying, "So what's going on with Batman?" Clark says. Adds Pattinson. I had no idea that Matt had seen Good Time and thought, "I want to do a really dirty, dirty, slimy Batman." It was kind of almost faded. It was kind of almost a faded thing, says Reeves. Of course, at at that point, we were still working on the script, and so there was nothing to share. But I met with him probably about eight. Months later, and shared the script, and we just really connected, so there you go, connection and then, despite all your planning, sometimes you lose control in march of a yeah so obviously, this is talking about the covid stuff we don 't need to really go in there. Ben says remember being very busy let 's see uh it was like a military operation. We had earpieces, blah, blah, blah. They just kind of talk about that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the stopping of it. And while COVID compounded uh, every problem, it wasn't the only challenge to overcome. Reeves recalls one scene during the COVID stage of the production where some dialogue between Kravitz and Sarsgaard just didn't gel. One of the things I think that I have learned is to never be afraid to just stop. Don't get carried away with the energy of something because if you do, you might find yourself being carried down a current, uh, a current that's totally wrong. We were shooting a scene with Peter Sarsgaard and Zoe, and it was something that, that was a, a beat when we talked about um, during rehearsal. And Peter had said, I'm not sure about this. And he was like, no, I think it can work. And I, and I tracked, And I tracked it in my head how it could work. And we started doing it, and it was clear it didn't work. It just didn't work. And we were uh, we were shooting. I was like, we're either going to shoot this or I'll be back here six months later or something bad is going to be in our movie. And I can't allow it. So and so I said, "Okay, it's not working. Let's stop. And then when we stopped, I just took out a piece of paper and I started trying to rework the dialogue. And we all and we all were together. And I. And I was uh, trying to figure out where it wasn't working. And I always think that that's very important. That's almost the scariest thing for some people to do. To stop when you've got, like, 500 people going, what's next? So, I mean, that's got to be pretty rough, too, as a director. When, like, something's not working, but you got you got a big, huge set. you got a bunch of people all over the place. you got a studio that's, like, expecting you to, like, get done by a certain time. Sometimes you just got to stop. I do remember that scene, and I do feel like it wasn't working, says Kravitz, and he didn't give up. This is what I love about Matt, you know? We sat down. We figured it out. We sat down for a while, and we just looked at the scene, and I talked it over and kind of ripped it apart. It was a dialogue thing. It was a story thing. It wasn't flowing, right? Uh, Man, Matt Reeves says right a lot. Um, We had been shooting for a few hours, and so the fact that he was willing to just say, okay, let's stop and start from scratch and basically rewrite the scene, that's the level of care. God, I love that. She adds, it's scary to sit down in the middle of sh- shooting and after shooting the scene for three hours to stop and rip it apart, but he will do that. You need to stop, Reeve says, to get... Uh, to get that compass to function again, that's probably the biggest lesson that I learned. The thing that enables me to stop is to uh, is to have a level of an internal understanding enough to be able to have a compass, and so that's what I always that's what I'm always looking for is how to find a way to do something that that might be genre, and then. Finding a way to make it personal, and if you and if I can find that, then I can tell, and then I could do that story. And that's why Batman was perfect was a perfect one for me. Whoo! There you go. Ah, got through it. Whoo, man, Dave, can you repeat the? L- <laughs> I missed. Yeah, you dozed off. You just dozed off. You dick. <laughs> I see you there. Yeah, I see you there. Oh man. Uh, I know. Only lunch break. I know. Hey, I wanted to go through all that. We're breaking it down. We're diving into, into the Batman. I know. Sorry if I bored anybody. I try I try to be as quick I try to be as quick and animated and try to give my little notes as possible when I'm reading through these interviews right here. But I really liked I really like what was all said right there from everybody. Everybody just seems like they had like a pretty like it was a hard time. It was a great time. And they made something special, man. I mean, I mean, I mean. Obviously, when it comes to these movies, everybody always takes pride and always puts as much as they can in them. But you know, when it just sounds like Matt Reeves was really like, "All right, you know, I have to make it the way that I want to make it. I'm gonna get the actors that I want to get, and hopefully they sign on." And it just sounds to me like it's gonna be something pretty damn uh, awesome. So, yeah, I could reread. You want me to? You want me to go through it again? I can go through it again. You know, if you want me to, <laughs> Batsy, Batsy, Batsy. Oh man, yeah, I didn't even go through. I mean, I skipped a couple of parts, though, at least. So, but, anyways, I can't wait. This movie's uh, sounding more and more like it's just gonna be something. It's gonna break the genre a little bit, you know. Um, I mean, when we saw that first trailer, I mean, immediately, uh, my thought was, "Man, I mean, obviously, you know, people talk about The Dark Knight." trilogy from Nolan, but you know, Matt Reeves said straight up, um, let me hold, hold my beer. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, anyways. Yeah. Okay. So, we got all that. Appreciate you guys <laughs> spending some time. We were going into the Batman right there, that's for sure. Now let's talk about DC Comics! And why does DC and Warner Brothers hate the Justice League? Just kidding. They don't hate the Justice League. I think they kind of do. I don't know. I don't know if they're a fan of Zack Snyder's Justice League, (laughs) but, you know, what could he do? But, yeah, did you guys see uh, this was, like, uh, the news that was happening today? Inside DC's plan to kill the Justice League. Writer Joshua Williamson explains how Justice League number 75 will end the current comic series and murder major characters in 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 this whole thing right here, so... 30 years ago, DC Comics killed Superman, which I have that book. I have that novel. It's great, you know. And for the far advantage point, we now, we know that the Man of Steel got better eventually, of course. But now we're talking about this. It's very serious. Writer Joshua Williamson tells... Entertainment Weekly, it's an interesting opportunity to do this on the 30th anniversary of death of Superman which happened in Superman number 75. We get to take Justice League number 75 and do Death of the Justice League. We want people to understand and this is serious and this is going to have major impact in the DCU moving forward. See, I always thought like when it came to the DCU and the DCEU when everybody was trying to be like, what exactly is the DCEU? I always thought the DCEU is the extended universe that is not in the books. The books are the DCU. Everything else is the DCEU. Animated, live action, that kind of stuff. That's just me. Um, so, yeah, here's, a, here's an image right here where something crazy's happened. But I think the biggest image was uh, this one right here. This is the big image right here, is the funeral. So, apparently, we're going to have Aquaman get killed, Batman's going to get killed, Superman's going to get killed, Wonder Woman's going to get killed, and Jon Stewart's Green Lantern is going to get killed. Because, obviously, we got Hal right here. Um, so, this is what's happening right now. So So, not only is the Suicide Squad going to try to kill <laughs> the Justice League... In the video games, now in the comic books, we're going to have them get killed right here. And we got everybody, of course, at the funeral in their costumes all right there. So what are we thinking about this, huh? Yeah, What are we thinking about this? Are we looking forward to this? It's going to be pretty insane, it seems like um i mean i really enjoy the uh the story of death of superman like i said when i bought it as a kid i've read it twice the novelization of it of course i've also had the graphic novel version of it as well i'm kind of curious to see i'm kind of curious what they're going to be doing with all this you know and the variant cover this is uh by dan jurgens which we all know and love and norm Rapmund. so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's not a costume; it's a uniform. Sorry, uniform. They're u- they're wearing their uniforms. They're wearing their uniforms. Hidden shadows in the back. Yeah, and we got all kinds of characters all over the place right here. Some Blue Beetle and Booster Gold right there. You know, I mean, we even <laughs> yeah, uh, even Black Adams right there, man. I tell you. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where they uh where they go with all this Beast Boys even back there. Um, Mira. Um aqua yeah um i don't know i'm gonna check it out i don't know about you guys i'm curious to see like how i mean obviously they're not going to stay dead nobody stays dead in the comic book universe of course they never stay dead so i think we'll be you know we'll of course be okay but i'm just curious to see like how exactly they die and how they come back it's going to be interesting so i'm looking forward to it i'll check it out I know some people are, but the, but the the jokes are there. The jokes are there. It's like, oh, yeah, DC and Warner Brothers, they just don't like the Justice League. <laughs> I mean, they tr- they try to kill it one time, and then Warner Brothers try to kill the hype for Zack Snyder's Justice League. And now they're doing all this crazy stuff where, you know, the rumor is that they're changing up the Justice League to a Justice League that we're not too familiar. You know, whatever. It's whatever. Just buy the book. It sounds like it's going to be something interesting. Yeah. We got to read more. I need to read more. Fuck, man. I need to read more. All right, back to uh, Pattinson. Cheers to him. So some big news happened today. I mean, it's not fully official yet, but I mean, it'd be kind of dumb if Pattinson didn't sign on um, to be in this uh, to be in Mister uh, Bong Joon Ho's new movie ever since he uh, cleaned house at the Academy Awards in 2020 with Parasite, which if you haven't seen that, do yourself a favor, watch Parasite. It's very great. Exclusive after taking nearly two years to figure out his next project following his Oscar sweep in 2020 with Parasite. Director Bong uh, Joon-ho looks to have found his uh, next film and is taking a certain cape Crusader along for the ride. Sources tell Deadline that Bong is... um, is in talks to write and direct an untitled film based on Edward Ashton's upcoming novel, Mickey 7, for Warner Brothers, and that the Batman star Robert Pattinson is in talks to star. Mong um, will uh, also produce the un, uh, uh, the untitled film for his production company, Offspring, alongside uh, those people too, Plan B, all that stuff. The book will be published in the first quarter of 2022 by um, St. Martin and um. Kalman imprint, which the film will be inspired by the novel. Sources say uh, that given Bong's um, past experiences with adaptations, his version might ultimately may be different from the novels. Well, yeah, we always want that. The novel story follows Mickey Seven is an expendable, a disposable employee on a human expedition sent to colonize the ice world of Niflham. Whenever uh, whenever there's a mission that's too dangerous, even suicidal, the crew turns to Mickey after one iteration dies. A new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. After six deaths, Mickey seven understands the terms of his deal and why it was the only colonial position unfilled when he took it. Sounds awesome. That's right up my alley. I'm looking forward to that. Sounds a little oblivion type, you know? Tom Cruise Oblivion, which is an underrated movie. Um, more people should be talking about. I think we talked about that on vodka stream last week. But uh sounds kind of oblivion like to me, but I don't know. That sounds like right up my alley and I'm really hoping that uh I'm really hoping that um that uh that Pattinson actually uh takes takes part in it, man. I think that would be good for him because I mean it seems like Pattinson's just working with all these big directors and everything. So he's becoming the, the golden boy right now. I mean, especially after we'll see what happens after Batman. And Oh yeah. You know, I, I even forgot to mention that, that Batman, according to uh, IMDB at one point, And then even on I, IMAX, I mean, we might be getting a two hour and 55 minute or like a, almost a three hour Batman. So they might, who knows if that's going to stick, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Hopefully I want a three hour Batman. All right, now wrapping up uh, today's show. Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. When bon? Yeah, he's not a big director yet, but he did clean house when it came to that. Anyways, Book of Boba Fett, chapter four. I'll do a little quick review right here. If you guys saw it, don't you know? Don't worry, I won't have any spoilers. Um, I thought episode three was, eh, you know, episode two was my favorite so far. But it seems like it's like every other one. It's doing that every other one thing because I really enjoyed actually chapter four. Got a little backstory of I forgot her character's name. Totally blanking on her character's name. We get a more of a backstory. We go back to we um, we kind of just it's more of a flashback episode than it is a current episode. And, uh, you know, um, Boba Fett really likes to um, talk about. Tell people and even robots that he is Boba Fett. He likes to to say his name like that He really does so Boba is weak against a lightsaber Yeah, it seems to be the book of Boba Fett should have been an actual book the series is just meh. Yeah, it's a little back and forth Some things I don't like there's some things I do, but I'd like this episode It was a little more, you know a little more grungy a little more, you know I I think I dig more of the flashback part of the story than I do the 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 uh, present day part of the story. Like he goes back to the, uh, the pit to just to get his armor. So we get that again and we get a little intense sequence like that. Remember like when the, yeah, when there's like the creature that's within the pit that was not added till George Lucas added that on the special edition return of the Jedi. Remember before it was just, it was just a hole in the ground with spiky stuff in it. But then, and then when it came to uh, George Lucas wanted to revamp everything with computer generator, he added like the head and like more tentacles and stuff like that. So that was back at least when we see that, but you know, it was pretty cool. It was a cool little sequence. And uh, yeah, so I dug chapter four. I'm high as fuck. (laughs) jeez? okay, Joel. Um, I'm high. Yeah. You're really high, huh? Yeah. Blaze it up, man. Do it. Hey, whatever, whatever gets you through this, you know, my shows, I guess. But uh, no, I enjoyed Chapter 4 more than I enjoyed Chapter 3, maybe even Chapter 1. I don't know if I I think when it comes to Chapter 2 and Chapter 4, I think those are like my two favorite episodes that are happening when it comes to Book of Boba Fett. So there you go. I I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, I thought it helped with the present day. But I'm just I'm more liking the flashbacks because obviously, Chapter 2 was a flashback when he's with the uh when he's with the raiders and uh with and they're doing the train heist thing. I mean, you know. And uh, you know, you know, it, I think that part of the story is a little stronger than the present day stuff. That's just me though. I don't know, but still, chapter 4, eh, I dug it. I dug it. Okay. Let's go to the Twitter questions. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. If you guys want to go ahead and head over to the real motion those guys are, uh, should be starting right meow. So if you want to go check that out, I'm not sure if Gars is on there today, but I know Ben was doing his stream and I know I'm going overtime, but it happens. All right, so let's go to Twitter questions right here. Ronak, how's everything going? Going pretty good, I guess. Good example, or I guess good, except for Joss. <laughs> we- <laughs> Anyways, I was watching Phoenix Joker the other day. And interestingly, Thomas Wayne might be on the corrupted side of politics. We have also seen from the Matt Batman trailer that Wayne's might be corrupted. Any link? I mean, there's link, but I don't think um, they don't share a universe. I don't I still don't think they share a universe. You know, that's in the 80s. Pattinson, this Bruce Wayne's not that, you know, he's younger. Darren, Mr. Laugh Now, Cry Later. Speaking of what we um, we was talking about yesterday in the interview with Pattinson and J-Lo, he said back in the early 2018 he knew they, uh, they was making another Batman, so he went out for the role, and that right there should tell everybody Ben was done. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people, there were some people, you know, the loud part of the community, saying that, you know, we're calling Matt Reeves a snake and ousted Ben Affleck, but it's like, no. Ben Affleck was done. It just for some reason it was Warner Brothers that told him to just like no, you got to promote, uh, you got to promote Justice League still, you got to promote all this stuff still. So, you know he still had to play the part of like oh yeah Matt Reeves, I'll I'll be Batman for him, ha 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 ha. But he was Ben Affleck was already out, man. He was already out. Brad. So the more I think about it, the more I think that Ray's situation is something that the merger can't not address. Yeah, hopefully they do. I totally think that they should. Zaslav should come in and just be like, hey, we uh on behalf, apologize. I don't know. There's going to be who knows what's going to happen with that. But then again, they might not say shit, Eric. So the more the more big CBMs come out near near three hours, the more bone stupid Sujihara and Emmerich look telling Zach that and then Whedon to slash the first. Ever, Justice League film down to two hours even. Exactly what was these morons thinking? They were thinking about their bonuses. That's what they were thinking. They wanted their bonuses. That's what they wanted. P.S. When people insisted Tsujihara was secretly pro-Zach and the two-hour mandate was imposed on Whedon to protect the film, now we know they tried to impose it on Zach, too. Exactly. Donut on Undercover. Have to pick one: Snyderverse is restored, or you get to uh, get a recurring extra role in the in the Batman movies, and you can try on the bat suit whenever you want. Oh, you're funny. Well, I'm I'm shorter. I'm I'm like a few inches shorter than Robert Pattinson, so it probably wouldn't feel right, anyways. As much as I would like a record uh, and be an extra in the Batman movies, if I had to choose, I would rechoose for the Snyderverse to be restored. I would, you know. I'm okay with that. Uh, Do you think uh, Bang Chun Ho is uh, would be interested in becoming a Hollywood director? Yeah, I think he's very much getting to that point. He's going to be working with Warner Brothers, so yeah. Uh, Cooper Knox, give it six months, and the OG Justice League crew will be resurrected in a Thanos snap. Okay, so you're talking about like uh, you're talking about the comic book thing that's happening legend do uh do we live in a simulation i think we do i think we do i'm pretty sure we do ryan can't wait to see leo in the doctor strange sequel how about you i know Yeah, that was pretty funny it was a pretty funny little thing right there all right Andrew kasali do you think the batman will bring a smile to your face when you see it uh, like jim carrey's grinch hell yeah i do speaking uh well, uh, uh, if we ever uh, had a Spider-Man 4 with Toby, should Jim Carrey play Carnage? That'd be pretty crazy. That would be pretty insane. I mean, Jim Carrey can play anything in my book. I think that man, multi-talented, totally talented, and uh, I think he he could play that. He could play Cletus. He could play Cletus. I just didn't. As much as I love Woody Harrelson, I just I just I just wasn't feeling Woody Harrelson. I just wasn't. I mean, some some of the scenes were fine, but. I think, you know, sometimes they just just weren't. They just weren't. Anyways, guys, all right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up this hump day version of Film Junkie Live. I appreciate you guys sticking with me till the bitter end. You know, sorry if it sounded a little grueling. I just wanted to really dive into the Batman because I'm so excited for it. Anyway, smash that like thumbs up before we leave. If you want to join Film Junkie, do so. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you know when I'm doing this stuff. If you want to join the Patreon and help out that pirate ship? I'll be doing, of course, my, my Thursday Patreon exclusive tomorrow, which I'll I'll let the, I'll let you guys know who the uh, the guest is when uh who the guest of uh, Friday's uh, vodka stream. That's already uh, that's already locked in, so I'll let you guys know about that. We'll talk about some other stuff. I'll be doing uh, my Ben Affleck night. I'm gonna watch the tender bar and the last duel i'm gonna to try to watch both of those tomorrow since i'm not going to movies so do all that we've got the film junkie closet down below and uh yeah guys that's pretty much it i'll see you guys uh i'll see y'all well your patrons will talk to you tomorrow and then of course i'll see everybody else friday on the vodka stream all right guys love you talk to you later